Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Proverbs uh, chapter 3, looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. And that's on page, if you don't have your Bible with you, then you can grab one of the pew Bibles there and turn to page 495 in the pew Bible, page 495 in the pew Bible. Proverbs 3, 1 through 4 this morning. Now, John is a new fry cook at the local, local burger joint. He, he's just kind of getting settled into the job when the weekend rush comes in. And he, he's sitting there flipping those burgers left and right, left and right, left and right, order coming in, order after order after order. And so he, he's just struggling to kind of keep up with the orders that are coming in. Well, he, he goes down and he, he reaches down with spatula and he scoops a, a burger off the griddle and he turns to throw it in the bun and what happens? Up, it rolls off into the floor. Well, John reaches down, he grabs the burger real quick and he stops and he thinks, now what? should I do at home I'd just say the five second rule and throw it on the bun and go on with it but now these folks out here they're trusting me with this burger to give them a, a good clean burger what should I do boy integrity means a lot to us we really value integrity especially with the people who serve us especially those who serve us food. We want people who are high in integrity to serve us our food so that we make sure that we get good, clean, healthy food when it comes to our table. We value integrity. What we value in others, we should also strive to live out ourselves. You know, Scripture values integrity. Scripture values and encourages integrity in God's people. And so today, as we look at this proverb, Proverbs 3, 1 through 4, we see that biblical integrity promises great reward. That's what we're going to learn today. Biblical integrity promises great reward. As we consider this, this proverb this morning, we are going to see, four, first, four qualities of integrity. Four qualities of integrity. And then following that, we're going to see four motives for integrity. So four qualities for integrity, and then four motives for integrity. And I hope this encourages all of us to strive for biblical integrity. Biblical integrity. Now, let me explain a little bit about this verse. This verse here, this uh, chapter chapter three it starts with this focus on the righteous life these first four verses solomon is talking to his sons and he's talking to them about righteous living about living in integrity and then he moves to worship what worship should look like and so you see that in verses five through twelve and then of course twelve uh, thirteen through the end uh, through thirty five there is talking about the, the pursuit of, of happiness or blessedness, and we've already talked about that. So today we're looking at integrity as we consider these first four verses. So if you found your place there in Proverbs chapter 3, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word.
Hear the word of the Lord. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandment. For length of days and years of life and peace they will, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy and inspired and inerrant word. And Father, as we come to now to this time of, of hearing the preaching of your word, I pray that you would give me the ability to preach this clearly and faithfully. And Lord, may you apply it to our hearts. Humble our hearts, O oh Lord, to listen to your word, your commandments, so that we, we may live to your honor and your glory, imitating your righteousness. Now these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now as we, we look at these four verses, these four verses can be broken down into two parts. Verses 1 and 2, they begin, they're kind of one set, one verse, if you will. Uh, they're one set, and, and they give, they start by, by showing us two qualities, followed by two motives. And then as you move to verses 3 and 4, they do the same thing. They give two qualities and two motives. Now, we're going to look at all the qualities first, right off the bat. So we'll look at verse 1 and then verse 3. And then we'll come back and look at verse 2 and verse 4 as we consider the, the motives for integrity. But first, as we, we begin to look at the four qualities of integrity, the four qualities of integrity. And integrity begins with submissiveness. It, it begins by being submissive. And you see it at least implied in that first verse. Submissiveness. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let, but let your heart keep my commandments. Solomon here, is he, he's teaching this to his sons, right? And so he, he, he's saying to them, listen to me, pay attention to me, obey what I'm saying to you. So he's bringing out the, the fifth commandment, right? Honor your father and mother. Be submissive to your father and your mother. Listen to my command to you. So, so we see here implied in this text this, this idea of submissiveness. Integrity is submissive. It's submissive. It's not rebellious. You see, a rebellious person is not a person of integrity. A rebellious person who is always pushing against authorities is not a person of integrity, not a, a biblical integrity. But a, one who, who strives for biblical integrity is one who submits themselves to the authorities who are over them. Of course, this begins with submission to a holy God. He is our first authority. That's why the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods, no other person of authority, no one of authority over me. I am the Lord your God, have no other authority over me. That's really the basis uh, or the basic meaning of the first commandment. We're to submit and surrender to the authority of our creator, God. First, foremost, absolutely, period, exclamation mark, right? We're to submit to God. 
We're to submit to God. And, and that's where the Proverbs began. I, I want to keep bringing you back to, to Proverbs 1, 7, right? That first initial standard there. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where we must start, being in a right relationship with God and submitting to his authority over us. He is the supreme. He is the supreme ruler of all creation. And so we must surrender all authority to him. And we listen to him. We obey him. And for us today, of course, we know that begins by submitting to his king, his Christ, Jesus. For God sent his son into the world to rule and reign over his kingdom. He is the, the son of David who would reign over God's holy kingdom. He died for us, sacrificing himself, just as we read in Ephesians at the beginning of our service. He sacrificed himself for us so that we might be forgiven of our rebellion and be redeemed and reconciled to God. And so the first, the first category of submission is to surrender to a holy God by surrendering to Christ, repenting of our, our sin, repenting of our rebellion against a holy God, and surrendering to Jesus Christ by God's grace through faith. So that's where we must begin. That's where biblical integrity begins. It begins by trusting in Jesus and surrendering to his lordship over our lives, surrendering to God's ultimate authority. If you've not surrendered to Christ, if you've not surrendered and submitted yourself to his authority, that's where you need to start today. And I want to invite you even right now at this moment to surrender your life to Christ. Don't wait another second, but turn away from your rebellion to God and surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life now. But that's where it begins. Integrity begins with submission to God, but it also extends beyond God to worldly authorities, authorities who God has put in place over our lives. That's why you move on to the fifth commandment. The first commandment is, is to have no other gods before me. The fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother. We see that here in this text as Solomon, uh, he's, he's telling his sons, hey, listen to me, obey my word. And, and that's the, the next line of authority. After God, it's the institution of the family. That's, that's the first place that, that we see authority taking place. It's passed down from God to, to parents. And so you're to honor your father and mother. You're to live in obedience to your father and mother, at least until you leave your father and mother and cleave to your spouse, you're to, to obey them, live under their rules, live in obedience to them. They're your authority under God. Also, it goes on from there, right? It, it goes on to submitting to worldly authorities. We're to submit to government authorities. As the, the government rules and reigns over us, we're to obey the laws of the land. We're to submit to their authority over us. We see this, Paul tells us this in Romans 13, 1 even. 
Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And so our governments, they're put in place by God. And so we're to submit to, surrender to the authorities over us. We're to submit to our bosses, our employers, those who employ us. They are authority over us. Under the government are our, 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 our employers, and, and they're an authority over us. So when we go to work day in and day out, we're not to have a rebellious spirit, but we're to submit to the authority of our, our boss, whoever he or she is. We're to submit to their authority. We're not to be rebellious. We're not always to stir up trouble complain and push the boundaries of, of the rules, right? Or to submit to those authorities. Now, we have to remember there is a caveat here. When it comes to surrendering and submitting to earthly authorities, there is a caveat. Number one, uh, as long as they don't go against the word of God, because God is our ultimate authority. There's no other God before the Lord our God. There's no other authority over him so if our government begins to push laws that go against the word of God, what God has said, thou shalt do, then we have to say, I shall not, right? We're not going to follow the government when they go against the word of God. We cannot do that. And when it goes against our very conscience, because our conscience is given to us by God, to kind of rule over us, to kind of give us guidance. You, you know, there's certain things that, that God's word doesn't cover specifically. But he gives us a conscience. And when our conscience says, I'm just not comfortable with that. that that's not right. Then we have to say, I, I'm just going to have to go with my conscience here. And, and so when, when authorities, worldly authorities, goes a, go against God's word, or against conscience, then what do we do? We practice civil, diso civil disobedience. We have to. We have to. We have to say, I'm not going to do that. Right? We don't throw a fit about it. Anything like that, we're civil about it, but, but we practice civil disobedience. That goes against what my God says, and he's, he's my supreme authority. I'm not going to do that. And so we have to weigh it against that, but in that, as long as, as the authorities, the worldly authorities, whether that's the government or whether that's our boss at work, whoever it is, as long as they are in line with God's word, they're not going against God's word, then we're called to submit and to surrender to their will. We're not to be a rebellion, or we're not to have a rebellious spirit, but we're sur to surrender to whatever authorities God has set over us. So, Submission is the first quality of integrity that we see in our text. Submission to authorities. Second, the second quality of integrity is to be virtuous. To be virtuous. We see that in, in this first, uh, first verse here. My son, do not forget my teaching. That is my Torah in the Hebrew. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart Keep my commandments, my mitzvah, Torah and mitzvah. Those are the two big words in the Old Testament for uh, the law of God or the commandments of God. Uh, Solomon, as he is teaching his sons, he's saying, listen to my Torah, my mitzvah. 
but what is he doing? He is applying, in the book of Proverbs, he is applying God's Torah and mitzvah. He's applying the law of God in practical ways uh, to his son's life. He said, all right, here's God's word, and here's how it applies. We've already talked about the practicality of the Proverbs. They're very practical. They're earthy, right? They, they get to where we live. And that's what he's doing. He's applying the law of God, the moral law of God, to everyday life. And he's saying, listen to this. Keep these commandments. Keep this, this Torah, these mitzvah. We were to obey them. We're to have a, a high moral standard. We're to have a high moral standard. Right? God is our holy God, and we're to imitate God. Scripture says, be ye holy as the Lord your God is holy. That is to be morally upright, morally holy. We're to have a high moral standard. And a person of integrity has a high moral standard because they, their standard is God's standard. It's the ultimate standard. And so we look to the Ten Commandments, we look to the moral law of God, and we strive to live by it because we want to be virtuous. We want to be morally upright, to have that high moral standard. You want people uh, that you work with to have integrity. You want to, them to be trustworthy. You want them to have that high moral standard. You want your spouse to be upright and holy. You want your spouse to be, have a high moral standard. You don't want to worry about your wife or your husband going off and flirting with other people, right? You want them to have a high moral standard. And so it is with integrity. Integrity is virtuous. So integrity is submissive, it's virtuous, but it's also respectful. It's respectful. We see this in verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. The, this is important, right? Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Pay attention to these. Make sure you understand these. He, he talks about respect. First of all, that's that's we see that in the word let not steadfast love that word steadfast love is a word uh it's it's the hebrew word chesed chesed and this this word is a, a very important word in the old testament in general this word chesed often is used in reference to god's loving kindness his graciousness when God shows his loving kindness, his chesed to his people, his loving kindness, his graciousness to them. It is an unfailing kind of love, the kind of love that loves God and loves neighbor. It is showing kindness and goodness to others, to treat people with dignity and respect. It's to be kind to other people. You think about it. L love, loving kindness, that idea of love, we've talked about this several times. In our so society, in our culture, people often talk about love and, and they think about the emotion. But that's not the scriptural understanding of love. It, it's not necessarily about the emotion, it's about, it's about action. 
It's taking action. It's doing something. Love is a verb, right? Love does. It's not just a word, oh, I love you. I love you all the while while you're going in your direction away from the trouble, right? I, I love you. That, that, those are, are meaningless words unless there's actions that, that follow up the word. Love is an action. It does. It, it, it shows kindness towards other people. It's gracious to people. It gives to people who are in need. It seeks to, to satisfy needs that are there. It shows respect for people. It shows respect for people. We learned from the very beginning, back in Genesis chapter 1, that when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image and likeness. We, every single one of us, are created in the image and likeness of God. And the reason that murder is such an offense to God is because it's destroying someone who is in the image and likeness of God. We're to treat one another with respect and dignity because each person is made in the image and likeness of God. No matter how you, you might not like a person's personality, you might not like a person's style, uh, they may be of a, a different socioeconomic uh, group than you are, but nevertheless, that person is worthy of respect and dignity because that person is created in the image and likeness of God. That homeless person begging out on the street who, who smells of vomit and, and every other vile thing, they are worthy to be treated with respect and dignity because they were created in the image and likeness of God. And so if you're to be a person of integrity, you must treat people with respect and dignity. All people with respect and dignity. Whether you like them or not, whether you like their attitude or not, whether you like their style or not, uh, whether they're offensive or not, you are called, dear Christian, to treat people with, with respect and dignity. If you're to be a person of integrity, of biblical integrity, treat people with respect and dignity. Now, this is countercultural to our world. It's completely countercultural to our world because our world is all about the offense. Right? If you degradate people, uh, you're elevated in society. That's the way our society works. I mean, look at it. How do you get a lot of likes on Facebook? Well, you run someone down. You put someone down, and oh, like, 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 like. Uh, people like that. They, they like it. If you can put down people, uh, you, you see on TV, they, they even had some show. I, I saw a commercial for it. I never watched it. I didn't want to. I had no interest in it. But the whole, uh, the whole theme of the show was who could, who could put down the other person better? I mean, that's our society. Our society values the put down. But God's children are not to do that. We're not to do that. We're not to be those kinds of people because other people are creating the image and likeness of God. And so if we're running down other people, if we're running people through the mud, if we're degradating other people, we're degradating the image and likeness of God in them. Do not fall into our society's way of, of doing things, of treating people. But treat people with dignity and respect. Integrity is 
respectful. Integrity is submissive, virtuous, respectful, and finally, faithful. Faithful. He talks about faithfulness. Never let faithfulness forsake you. Faithfulness, of course, is here. It's the quality of being faithful, to be trustworthy, upright, and true. So there's, there's a couple of, of different elements here that come together in this word faithfulness. To be faithful, number one, is to, to show faithfulness toward God, toward your spouse, toward your family. Faithfulness to the church, faithfulness to your employers. Think about that, faithfulness to God. You'll have no other gods before me. You're faithful to God. He is your ultimate allegiance. You're, you're faithful to him. You worship him and him alone. You're faithful to your spouse. Your spouse doesn't have to worry about you going around and, and messing around, even flirting with other, other people because you're faithful. You're trustworthy. You're faithful to your family. You got responsibilities at home to, to take care of your children and to, to provide and do those types of things. You're faithful to your family to, to do your chores when you're supposed to do your chores, to, to, to work when you're supposed to work, to provide for the family. You're faithful to your church, to serve the church as, as you're called to serve, to attend church when the church gathers, to to minister to the church, you're, you're called to faithfulness to the church. I'm going to tell you, if you can't be faithful to your church, how can you be faithful to your employer out there? Be faithful to your church. And, of course, be faithful to your employer as well. Your employer expects you to, to show up on time and, and to leave when you're supposed to leave and not before you're supposed to leave. So, so be faithful. Be diligent to be on time. I have that saying, if you're, if you're on time, you're late, right? Uh, if you're not early, you're late. If, if your boss expects you to be there at 8 o'clock, be there at 8 o'clock or, or a little before 8 o'clock so that you can start your day. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to work when you get there. Be faithful to work. This is the, the problem that we have today. People show up to work, and they're just a body in a chair because they're, they're sitting there on Facebook or TikTok or whatever the latest craze is. They're, they're not doing their work. They're, they're doing their own thing, just riding the clock. That's not faithfulness. That's not faithfulness. You're stealing from your employer. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do your job. Be faithful to work when you're called to work. Be faithful for, toward your employer. You're to be faithful. But you're also to be trustworthy. That's another little concept that's, that's tied up in this word for faithfulness in our text. To be trustworthy. To speak truthfully. To be honest in your employment. So to speak truth. A false witness, Proverbs 19.5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished. And he who breathes out lies will not escape. Proverbs 20, verse 10, unequal weights and unequal measurement, uh, measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So we're to be trustworthy, we're to speak truth, we're to treat people in truth. In all of our employments, in all of our dealings with people, we're not to take advantage of people. 
We're not to kind of, uh, you know, weigh the scales differently because we want to make more money or, or anything like that, but to be truthful. Be truthful in your dealings with other people. So integrity is submissive, it's virtuous, it's respectful, it's faithful and trustworthy. Those are the, the qualities of integrity. But why should we walk in integrity? Why? Those are the, the, the qualities of integrity, at least some of the qualities, the qualities that we see in our text. We could probably add some more to those qualities as well, but, but those are what's in the text. Why should we be interested in living in integrity? Well, Scripture says there's reward for that, and so we, we see the motives for integrity in these verses as well. The first motive for integrity that we see, we see there in verse 2, the first part of verse 2. For, right, because length of days and years of life and peace will be added to you. Length of days and years of life will be added to you. That is longevity. The promise of integrity is longevity. Of course, when it comes to that first uh, the rule that we talked about, you know, submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ, when we surrender to Christ, when we give our lives to Christ, when we're obedient to Christ, we have the promise of longevity. We have the promise of eternal life, not just life on this world, but life in glory. We have the promise of, of longevity. We have the promise of eternal life, and that's what we all hope for and long for. Oh, how these bodies wear out and we get tired and weary of, uh, of this life sometimes. But we have that hope of eternity by trusting in Christ and surrendering to, to Jesus Christ. But it also promises longevity in this life, doesn't it? Longevity in marriage, when you act in integrity toward your spouse, when you're trustworthy, when you're faithful to your spouse, then there's that hope of longevity. If you're not running around on your spouse, hey, there's hope for longevity there. There's, there's, there's hope and promise of longevity. Your, your marriage is going to last when both spouses walk in integrity. You have uh, longevity at work. You have longevity at work. I promise you, employers, they love people who of integrity they want people of integrity especially today when there's such a lack of integrity they are looking for people of integrity who will work who will do their job and faithful in that job they don't have to worry about them stealing supplies and stealing money and all of that type of thing they're looking for people of integrity young folks listen to me as you begin to to grow and as you move into careers be a person of integrity, and you'll have no problem at work. Your boss will love you. Your boss will love you and try to hold on to you if you're a person of integrity. There's the hope of longevity. There's also the, the motive of peace, of peace, and peace, they will be added to you. The word there for peace is the word shalom. Shalom, and, and that's a, an important word in the Hebrew language. Uh, shalom is not like uh, we think of yeah, peace, man. Right? 
Uh, that's not the idea of shalom. Shalom I- is the idea of complete peace, of wholeness. A- and so you think about physical peace, spiritual peace, psychological peace. It hits all the, the realms that we deal with. It's complete, absolute peace. And here again, as followers of Jesus Christ, we look for the shalom that is in Jesus Christ. Because we know in our sin and our guilt, there is no peace. There's only shame. There's only the, the, the coming of judgment. But by trusting in Jesus Christ, there is complete shalom. There is rest, there is peace in Jesus Christ. If you've not trusted in Jesus, you don't know shalom. You can't know shalom. Shalom comes by faith in Christ. So surrender to Christ and know shalom. But it also promises shalom. It promises peace in in this life. I mean, when you live a life that's untrustworthy, if you do something that is morally wrong, guess what happens? Guilt moves in. It moves in. It begins to bother you. Your conscience begins to, to tug on you. You begin to feel shame. It leads to, to, to sleepless nights. Unable to live with yourself. It leads to depression and anxiety and all of these things. When you're a person of integrity, though, you can lay your head down at night knowing that you did what was right. A person of integrity can get a good night's sleep because a person of integrity has done what's right in the day. If you steal and and lie and all of these things, how can you live with yourself? But a person of integrity has peace, has peace, complete peace, the peace of of conscience. Proverbs 20, verse 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. Bread gained by deceit, by deceit is sweet to a man. So in that moment, in that moment when, when someone deceives someone and gains a little extra something out of a deal, oh, it seems sweet at the moment. Oh, yeah, I did it. Man, I pulled this one off. Man, I lied, and, and they, didn't even, they didn't even catch me in it. Oh, but then it becomes like gravel in the mouth as the conscience begins to stir and press against us. We cannot have peace. Integrity brings peace. So integrity brings longevity. It brings peace. Number three, it brings respect. It brings respect. Notice there in verse four, the first part of verse four. uh, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You'll find favor in the sight of God and man. That is respect. That word there, uh, favor, has the idea of favor, grace, and popularity. 
That is to gain respect. A person of integrity has favor with God. Right? A person who is walking in righteousness is walking with the Lord. They're pursuing the Lord. And the Lord loves it when His children follow His way, when they imitate Him, when, when they walk in integrity. He loves that. There, there's no conflict. There, there, there's no division whatsoever. When we, we break God's law, when we live in, in disobedience to God, even as children of God, there, there's a disruption in the relationship, isn't there? Because God has to be the disciplinarian. But when we live in integrity... And follow the way of the Lord, then there's favor. There's a, a, a favorable relationship. And so there's favor with God. It, not that you win salvation. Let's make sure we understand that. That's not a way to win salvation. But uh, as we've gained salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ, we're to, to live with integrity. To, we're to follow after Christ and to be like Christ. And as we follow after Christ, as we live like Christ, as we model Christ, Oh, our relationship with God becomes all that much more sweeter. As God can love us and, and, and just pour out his love on us instead of having to chastise us for our constant disobedience. It also gains the respect of men. The respect of men. Men will respect you. People will respect you when you're a person of integrity. Proverbs 16, 13 Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Kings love people of integrity. People in authority love people of integrity who walk in integrity. When you walk in integrity, the people around you will respect you. They might not like your personality sometimes. They may not like some of the things that you do, but they will respect you when, they w when you walk with integrity. So integrity brings longevity, peace, respect, and fourth, success. Success. It brings success. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. When you're living a life of integrity, when you're pursuing righteousness, when you're living in moral uprightness, you will, you'll find success in life. You'll find success in life. As your, your boss will love you and favor you, uh, you'll find success. People of integrity move up the, the ladder, right? They find success because people can trust them, rely on them. And so you find success both with God and man. Proverbs 20, verse 7, The righteous who walk in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Even as you walk in integrity and you show your, your children and model integrity for your children, you leave an inheritance of integrity for your kids. They look at your model and they say, I want to be like dad. I want to be like mom. And they follow you and they walk in your way. Oh, what a wonderful legacy to teach your children integrity so that they will have a life of integrity, a life of good success. 
walk in integrity. Walk in integrity because biblical integrity promises great reward in this life and in eternity as we surrender to Christ. But be sure that we understand. I've said this over and over again, but I'm going to say it again because this is important. Be sure that you understand biblical integrity begins with submission to Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. If, you, if you've not surrendered to Christ, if you've not given your life to Christ, then you can know nothing of biblical integrity. You, you might know integrity, as this world may define integrity, but you can't know biblical integrity because biblical integrity begins with surrender to Jesus Christ. And if you want to know true peace, if you want to know true longevity, eternal longevity, if you want to know true respect and success, surrender your life to Christ today. If you haven't done that already, make today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that you surrender it all to Jesus. Trust in him, and he'll teach you all the rest. Trust in Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we just thank you as we've been looking through Proverbs and just the practicality of the Proverbs. Lord, we're thankful that you give us such insight on a, a practical level. You give us a word that we can apply directly to our lives and, and, and live out our lives in a way that honors and glorifies you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would teach us integrity. Help us to follow the way of integrity. As we, Lord, as we look to imitate you, as we talked about in Ephesians 4 this morning, we want to imitate you and follow you. Show us the way of integrity, Lord. Lord, if there are those who are listening in or here in this place today who've never trusted in Jesus, never submitted to Christ, I pray, Lord, that they would start there. Start their walk of integrity by turning away from their rebellion and turning to Jesus Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.